The only true ending is death. When you die, you're buried, that's when it all ends. But as long as you're living, every ending is a new beginning. And the new beginning has you at, as the main actor or actress of your life. And it is up to each one of us to grab the opportunities that come our, our way and have that commitment to make our lives matter. Michelle Edwards. I am the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own, about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer. Words. Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Would you like to introduce yourself, tell us who you are and where you're from. Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad to do that. My name is Faith Waroe and I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. I live in a place called Moranga, a county in central province of Kenya and that's where I'm actually taking this call from. What's it like there? Just quickly. It's very nice. We have beautiful climate. It's warm. It's um, it rains like twice a year, and uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Then living by the countryside is so refreshing. There's plenty of fresh air and a lot of inspiration from nature because every day you're interacting with nature, crops that are growing. You know, just watching them germinate grow and then you harvest it's very very refreshing Mm -hmm. and that does sound lovely i uh, australia is such a long way and i know very little about uh your country so it's it's nice to hear it's nice to speak to you from so far away yeah it's a beautiful country and michelle you should just come and visit we have beautiful uh, oceans, you know, we have beaches, and then we have a lot of wildlife. 
So there's a lot of tourism going on, many game parks to visit, and a lot of activities to do. And our culture, you know, we are about 42 tribes in Kenya, and the diversity in our um, uh, culture is just what makes us beautiful. And let me not forget to tell you that Kenyans are really, really warm, loving people, very vibrant and energetic. It's a lovely place to visit. Come and visit. Be my guest. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so Faith, do you want to tell us about an ending in your life? I have many endings, Michelle, because I think in a simplistic way, every day is a new beginning. And at the end of the day, there's an ending. Uh, but then when we talk about endings, I believe we are talking about major life experiences that bring an end to a situation. And I want to start with my, my first big ending, which was my divorce that occurred 19 years ago. When you get married, you're so excited and it's forever, you know? I, I remember us sending each other cards on how we're going to grow old together. And in our, you know, in our love moment, everything was wholesome and would be forever. But then life doesn't always happen the way we envision. So a few challenges here and there um, brought conflict into the marriage. Then we were pretty young by then and foolish. Therefore, we were not able to work through the issues that were arising. So 19 years ago, our marriage came to an end. And the ending was not easy. It was very, very painful. And initially I would say, I thought it was painful for me because I was lost in a shell of pity party and just focusing on myself thinking, yes, it has failed, it is, I'm hurting, uh, this person is so bad, um, they've betrayed me, they've let me down and all that. But I, I don't want to dwell into that because with time, I've come to realize that we tend to blame others when we're hurting. But when later you wake up and learn, you realize that it takes two people to tango. For a divorce to occur, it means the two of you actually did not put in all the effort that was needed to sustain the marriage. And therefore, the marriage ends up falling apart. In a situation where you are wronged, I would say this now that I'm wiser, that you can be wronged, but you can manage yourself <clears throat> in a way that you guide the relationship to a point where tempers can calm down, forgiveness can kick in, and then you can work through the issue that was there. Because without forgiveness, then you carry forward the heart that you feel. And, you know, sometimes you, you discover that what was hurting you was simply because you had issues you had not resolved within yourself. And therefore, you interpret things in a different way. So today, I believe that knowing myself, becoming aware of what is going on internally is very important because then that would help me manage myself and then when I show up for a relationship or, inter or interaction with somebody else, including the way we are interacting, then I'm able to manage and regulate what happens thereafter. Uh, I talked about being selfish at that point, you know, being buried in my pain. And in the process, I forgot that 
my children who are four were also going through difficult times. You know, things were happening in the family. I never thought about the children. It was all about me and how wrong I had been. But with time, I came to realize, hey, I need to wake up and see the children. I need to wake up and be there for the children. Initially, I didn't know how, and that's another chapter in my life because the children also bore the blunt of that. And also the partner. At the moment of going our separate ways, I thought my husband was happy. He was very happy and he was making my life difficult because him, he was okay. But I have come to realize that was not the case. That when divorce occurs, all of you go through pain, you know, loss and grief. You have moments of anger, moments of bargaining, and then you, you know, you bargain within yourself. You try and see what did I do wrong? Can we reconcile? What could I have done better? And all that. But the anger keeps coming back and there's no um, particular order because one day you're okay, another day you're not okay. So the ending that was my divorce took me through a very, you know, it kind of set the foundation for the next endings that would come later in my life. But also it brought new beginnings, you know. It didn't just end and bring death with it. But it ended, brought pains, but also brought gifts from that particular ending. And it, the divorce in itself has helped me become a better parent to my children. Remember, I've just said how with time I came to realize that it wasn't just about me. It was affecting my children too. And therefore I had to show up and be there for my children and start now paying closer attention to them, try and take them through what was happening, reassure them that we were okay and all was well. Things had fallen apart, but we would be okay. One of my sons, the eldest son, had such a big issue with the, the whole the divorce and the separation because he kept telling me, we are not a family. You know, we are not a family. A family without a father is not a family. So I had to learn as much as I could just to assure him, yes, there's no father in the marriage, but there's a father in your life. It's just that we're not living together. But it took a lot of work and seeking professional help for me to be able to, to work with my children to a point of healing. And it has been 19 years of challenges, but we have managed to wither the storms together. And today I can say that uh, they're able to have a relationship with their father and we're friends with the father. Now, divorce comes with stigma, especially in Africa. I think in the Western world, it's much easier. But in Africa, divorce is frowned upon. So I had to negotiate through that season of stigma and feeling like the biggest failure in the world, you know? And in my tribe, there's a saying that says that a home is built by the woman. So you can imagine the burden I had to carry because here was a woman who had failed to uphold her home. 
um, as a Christian also, the Bible talks about the wife being the person who really holds the, the, the home together. There's Proverbs 31 and all that. And I used to be upset and angry about it and feeling how can the society put so much pressure on me. However, I would say as I grew, as I learned, as I healed, I came to eventually understand what that statement means. And I think that's what I'm talking about learning and understanding myself and understanding what is going on around me so that I can be able to mitigate any threats that arise and also understanding what self-sabotage is all about because I think relationships are held hostage by self-sabotaging habits and uh, this self-sabotaging habits emanate from our childhood and our life experiences in general so where am i with the <laughs> with the divorce the ending of divorce i'm at a good place you know it was painful it was really 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 painful my world came um to an end at that time but a new life came about because i think when i look back if i had not gone through that experience probably the self-development that i have experienced since then would not be there you know, just growing myself to become a better person, pursuing knowledge that would help me raise my children, a knowledge that would help me grow and become a better holistic person. Uh, and as a resultant of that growth, I want to jump into to the present because it ties in with my divorce. Out of that experience of divorce, and journeying through the 19 years, raising the children, learning from mistakes that I make. Because 19 years, I would lie if I say I have not dated. I have dated in between. And again, I have learned. One of the biggest lessons I learned is that until you sort out the issues, the brokenness within yourself, you will show up in different relationships unhealthy. And therefore, the resultant will still be an unhealthy relationship. So I have consistently grown to the point where I have learned and mastered the art of loving myself so that I'm wholesome, you know? So it's that when I interact with somebody and something doesn't work out, I'm able to know, or rather I quickly become aware of what is play, what is at play. And at that moment, I'm able to address it. If it's within me, then I can try and work on the need that is there. If it's outside of myself, it's with the other person, then I'm able to hold space for that person in a supportive way so that they can work through the issue that is affecting them. And in this uh, regard, the, the growth that has come out of my journey, I remember being in a group, in a WhatsApp group, where we were discussing different books and then we were discussing relationships, and I would kind of contribute and share my thoughts, my authentic thoughts, without, <clears throat> without holding back and without being judgmental. And out of that, some married ladies requested me, Faith, why don't you have sessions where you can give married women talks on how to, 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 to establish stable marriages? And I said, how? How do I do that, Michelle? I'm divorced, how do I start giving people guidance on marriage? And yet I'm coming from a broken marriage. 
a lot of people say when you when you've been divorced you have no authority to advise people who are married and here i was being requested by married people to give a talk to them and i said yes you know i said yes you know part of the journey of growing myself is also learning to overcome fear and that comes from the endings that happen in our lives they teach us to become more fearless you know or rather just to challenge to challenge the fear that comes away so here I was and i challenged that fear i challenged the fear of what will people say because people will talk but even if they talk i know what i know and number 2 the ladies had seen something in me and the answer they actually gave was that if you are authentic you give us uh, experiences from your marriage and lessons that you have learned from the brokenness and therefore it is okay so today i can comfortably tell you that i run a group called marriage revamp through self leadership um let me introduce a new a new thought i became a leader i'll explain how i i became a sorry i became a self leader coach leadership coach i became um a coach went back to school trained became certified and became an executive coach so i am an executive coach currently and my niche is self leadership so i looked at this um request that the ladies had given me and i thought actually why don't i work with the ladies so that they can become self leaders who can then now influence and revamp their marriages remember my experiences after divorce for the 19 years the growth that has been a journey of self leadership and therefore the group i am running is called marriage revamp through self leadership so do we discuss their husbands no what we discuss is you and what you need to do to become a self leader so some of the things we discuss in this group are things like self worth how unworthy or how worthy do you feel because if you show up in a marriage or in a relationship with unworthiness it will keep interfering with the relationship the minute your partner's phone rings your unworthiness will think that they're having a relationship with another person that they're cheating on you but when you're at a good place where you understand your worth then you don't constantly feel threatened so i can say my divorce eventually brought a new beginning in terms of the group that i'm now working with and just this morning again i was getting thanked faith you're a godsend to us because this week we are um, i think the first two weeks the first two weeks of february we are looking at self love you know we have a countdown to valentine and what we are focusing on is how do you love yourself in a way that you are able to love the other people in your life and therefore i have been doing articles every day which i post on my website every day on instagram on the website on ways in which you can love yourself you know when you talk about self love we tend to think it's about doing my hair doing my makeup that is self care but the There's so much work internally that has to be done and i think today i have us talking on the power of saying no 
as a way of expressing self-love to yourself. Because most of the times we don't say no, because if we say no, we shall not be loved. If we say no, we shall not be invited to future events. If we say no, we shall not get accepted. But when we learn to say no in a meaningful and objective manner, then we express that love that we so deserve. Because we can say, I am not available because I have something that I'll be addressing when I'm invited to, a, to an event. Or I'm not able to, to invest in a project that Michelle is running because financially I'm not at a good place. But you find that sometimes we, can't, we jump in and put our money in projects that our friends are doing because we're under pressure. And then we end up suffering because our finances end up being in disarray. That is not showing love to yourself. So that's just an example of giving ways in which we can show ourselves love without just doing our hair. So that's what I can say about that. But let me just go back to um, my life slightly earlier because I've talked about a number of uh, endings. My second ending was stepping out of, no, 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 let me not jump into the transition. Let me just connect this with the divorce. I've talked about the season after the divorce being very challenging. I went through a depression. Remember, I have four children that I'm taking care of. My marriage has fallen apart. I'm feeling such a loser and such a, a failure. And then where I was working, the organization I worked for transferred me to a different station. So here I was in a new environment, trying to deal with the, the, the transition. You know, divorce is a major transition in life. And then now here I've been transferred. It's a new, a new role, a different department, a different town, and I have no support system per se. And I'm still processing the pain that I have gone through. So I ended up hitting rock bottom and getting divorced. And remember, I have also children who are struggling to adjust to, to their new life without the father, their dysfunctional family, as my son put it. And I am at the center of it all. Let me say this, Michelle. The transition in my workplace was not good because it also came with demotion at the workplace. And my marriage has come to an end. A demotion has come into play. And here is faith carrying the two major pronouncements. I'm a loser, I'm a failure, my marriage has failed, my workplace is rejecting me, my workplace is telling me, my organization is telling me I am not good enough. And faith is not grounded. So I sucked it all up. And on top of it, I gave myself a double portion of feeling unworthy. And I just spiraled downwards, downwards into severe depression. It took me a while to understand what was happening. It took me a while to accept that something was totally wrong and that I needed help. But 
um, a night came when I felt I could no longer handle what was going on. And I took myself to see a, a psychiatrist in the morning. And my journey of healing began. And that's when I discovered just how beaten up I was and how sick I was. So for the next um, seven years, about seven years, I battled with severe depression. And oof, it's a bad place to be. It's really, it's, it's like you're in a dark place where you're constantly, I don't know whether other people see this, but I used to see death around me all the time. I struggled with simple things like crossing the road because I would think um, I'll be hit by the car. I would go to sleep and I would see death. I would see uh, if I close my eyes, I'm going to, to die. And therefore, I will not close my eyes so that I don't die. And then now on top of that, I would worry, if I die now, what happens to my children? And suddenly everything seemed to be, um, the world seemed to be closing in on me. Time was running out. I needed to do so many things to ensure everything stayed uh, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness, the world was coming to an end. I don't know where that comes from, but I think when you go through depression, you go through a lot of crazy experiences and you don't have anybody that you can trust. You feel like everybody around you cannot be trusted. They are out to hurt you. They are out to shame you. They are out to remind you of how unworthy you are. And you're constantly just telling yourself how useless you are. What a loser you are. Um, I, I just don't know what I can say, uh, Michelle. So many things just come to, to my mind. And one of the... The hardest things about being depressed is the loss of sleep. No, where you don't sleep day one, day two, day three, day four, until you forget how does feeling sleepy feel like. Another minute you don't sleep, again, <clears throat> your, your body just gets totally affected. Your immunity system is compromised. Um, your concentration goes. I noticed even hearing, you know, somebody would call me on the phone and I would forget. I wouldn't hear what they were saying, you know, Michelle on the phone talking to me, hello. So you say what you're saying, but I can't hear it. I can't understand it because you see, my mind is not concentrating and therefore processing becomes very difficult. So what I did, I put my phone on silent to avoid receiving calls. And because at this time I was working in Mombasa, I told you Kenya has beautiful beaches. I would long for the weekends where I could go to the beach. And then I would walk by the beach and enjoy the breeze and my mind would just feel calm. But the minute I left the beach and got back to, to the house, the noises would begin, you know? The, the pains, the um, worry, the fear, everything would just come back. And it was all crazy. So let me just talk about uh, going through the, the healing. Because I love reading. I kept reading. I would read. The only thing I could read and understand was anything that was talking about mental health. Those were the only items I could read and understand. Anything else I didn't understand. But here I was hungry to know 
what really happens is what is happening to me happening to other people and the internet the internet by the way is a friend internet is a friend and also an enemy but i just want to say for me reading articles reading blog posts by people was such such a bonus for me and and i think maybe that's where i'm comfortable just writing and sharing because i can't tell you what blog i read i can't tell you what who wrote what i read but i can tell you that a lot of things helped me first of all self diagnose to understand what was happening to me demystify and also the internet helped me because i'd find communities of people who were taking maybe an antidepressant that i was taking and then share they would share their experiences and i would read and i'd be aware of what uh, the side effects are and then i'd read people's journeys and learn from them so one of the things i can say i read was um how when you take antidepressants you need to also couple it up with other activities that will help you beat depression so other than just taking the antidepressant push yourself to step out of the house push yourself to walk try and do some exercises and then also add a healthy diet so antidepressant add exercise add a healthy diet you know when you google you'll discover that they even foods that are very good in fighting depression so i did all that and then also working on um exposing yourself to people because when you're depressed you tend to withdraw and you feel comfortable just staying in the house with the drone so i learned to push myself out of my comfort zone and go and mix with people i remember one article i read that said today step out talk to the first person you meet even if you don't know that person say hello smile at that person and i did just that and you know sometimes we tend to say that's not my class that's not my level how do i talk to people who are not of my class and i said no i don't want to have class i want to be a human being interacting with other human beings and i did just that you know so i would step out and i'd go talking to people hello how are you today just like that and eventually i found myself even joining a, a women group to just put myself out there and that helped me to start fighting the demons of depression so i want to thank everybody who does blogs who is doing a podcast like you who's speaking like i'm speaking who's posting things on the internet that are helpful to people because you never know who you are going to impact one time i i was feeling very suicidal and i panicked and the urge to kill myself was so so huge but a small voice just told me look for help in the internet and i remember reading a blog where somebody just wrote it in such a beautiful way because it was like if you're thinking about killing yourself please just listen to this just read on and i kept reading and the person would write like they're talking to me and directed me on what to do how to think and that helped me to get out of it seek help and i remember now going to the doctor i called a friend who came took me to the doctor and we had a conversation with the doctor 
And the doctor now again helped me. I'm sharing all this so that anybody listening to me and they're going through this can benefit from it. And the doctor told me, Faith, you need to know the triggers. And I asked him, what are the triggers? What do you mean by triggers? And he said, uh, you need to be alert in such a way that when these thoughts come, you're able to ask yourself what has just happened so that you're aware what had triggered the the decline towards self-harm. And once you do that, then you will find that instead of deteriorating, you will start looking for a solution to what has triggered this. And most people relapse into depression because they don't know the triggers. So it's that triggers come one after the other. It triggers the first thought, the second thought, and then you find yourself going downhill until you're actually in a bad state. So I learned to know my triggers. And then I also learned to make my home a very safe place such that if uh, I felt suicidal, I would have to take time to organize whatever I need. You see, if you put pills right next to you, harmful pills, then you just extend your hand when you're lying on the bed, pick the pills and take them. But when they're not near, by the time you're leaving your bed, to walk to another room to look for them or go to the shop, in between that space, intervention can come. So there are quite a number of things I, I learned through that journey. And um, I say depression was, um, <clears throat> depression was a monster and is a monster, but depression is also a gift. It's not just an ending, it is an ending with a beginning because depression forces you to know yourself. If you really, really want to be well from depression, you must know yourself and you must take ownership of your life. Self-leadership, again, kicks in in depression. I guess that's why I, I am a self-leadership coach because no one will help you from your depression 100%. People can extend their hand, they can walk with you, they can support you, but the bulk of the work has to come from the depressed person. You know, the willingness to get well, the, the desire, the, the accepting to change, to adapt new habits in your life. Their responsibility lies squarely on the depressed person. So the support system is important and that support system will work with you and support you. But ultimately, you, the depressed person, has to take ownership, take responsibility, and also learn to ask for what you want and learn to say no. And saying no is not just external, but saying no to those thoughts that tell you that you are not good enough. If I may give an example of um, my divorce, feeling like a failure in my marriage, um, feeling uh, like a poor performance because of I started working through that and I came to the conclusion I wasn't a poor performer. I was actually demoted because somebody failed to lead themselves in the right way and therefore they felt threatened and started practicing something called workplace building. Again, the internet, my friend. When I went to Google about the demotion and now I knew the facts, whatever had happened, I was able to establish that that is workplace bullying, which is very, very rampant. And 
people who are not able to lead themselves feel threatened by the people that they lead. As a result of that, they start bullying others at the workplace. They start um, punishing people unfairly. But a person who is at a good place, who is healthy emotionally, who is able to say, I have a responsibility to manage my emotions, my thoughts and everything as a leader, they're even able to take positive criticism, even from the people they lead. So I started forgiving myself, you know, and understanding that there are many things that will happen to us in life, but they are not necessarily speaking the truth about who we are, but they are actually people's way of bringing you down so that they can control you. So again, I learned a very big lesson that uh, whatever comes your way, there are some things that will not be fair. There are some things that will not be correct or they'll not be the truth. But even if they are the truth, you still are worthy, even when you're, you're making mistakes. So it is well. If you made a mistake, accept it and just forgive yourself. Then from there, you can start working on correcting the mistakes that has arisen. So those are things I have learned through my, my journey of endings and beginnings. I feel like it's a, it's a journey of mountains and valleys and all of them are beautiful because they come with lessons and they come with growth. You know, it's not like I have stagnated because of the experiences that I've gone through. They have kept pushing me forward, pushing me forward and helping me to become a better person a more loving person, a more forgiving person, a more generous person. I think one of the things that shocks me is when I coach somebody and they're like, wow, you are so generous. And you know, I'm like, okay, generous? Yes. But they say, I am a generous coach. Generous in terms of, you see, the richness of the experiences that I've gone through helps me to understand and connect with people. And therefore, that allows me to be that generous. And I think the, 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 the realization that each one of us is a beautiful soul, yeah, that they're just things that happen around us and to us that influence our negative dispensation. Then the fact that I know that actually we can all be reset, you know, we can be reset to be what we were meant to be from day one. You know, that just gives me that joy and hope to keep going forward with my new beginnings. So that, that was it. Now, let me just talk about my other intertwined ending, because there's um, a third intertwined ending. When I was young, I used to long and desire to, to retire early, you know, to retire early, to retire when I'm, I'm young, uh, before I get too old, and I would plan my life on what what stage would I want to retire? Unfortunately, the, um, the plans got interfered with because of the divorce, because divorce set me back a milestone. You know, the minute you start having emotional issues, it affects even your performance. So I found myself having to stay at work longer than I expected because I was hoping I could retire at about 40. But then I didn't manage to retire. So I set my retirement date at the age of 50. Then now by the time I was getting 40, I was in the middle of, I think I divorced when I was 
below, below the age of 40. So here I was now resetting and reprogramming my life. And I had to stay at work another 10 years, which I did. And I was struggling financially. <laughs> when you're, it's very, Michelle, I'll tell you this. It's very hard to find somebody who's going through a lot of issues and their finances are running very smoothly. They are all interrelated and they, are, they get affected. So here I was moving towards 50, feeling pressure now from all the issues I had gone through. And then now about to hit another failure because I wanted to retire. But I'm unable to retire because I still have to educate my children and I still have debts that I needed to pay. So I pushed on, but fortunately, I was able to pull myself together. And when I hit age 51, I retired young. I retired nine years earlier. In Kenya, you retired age 60. So I retired at 50, 51. Now I'm 56. Uh, so I have had uh, retirement for five, uh, uh, yeah, retirement for the last now five years, which is very exciting for me because this was another ending, you know, ending an employment that I had been in for 26 years and starting anew. So I retired and went back to school, trained to become a coach, and here I am. My journey to Becoming a coach was informed by two things. What am I good at? And I looked at my life all through and I saw that I was always interested in helping people become more of themselves, you know, become the best versions of themselves. Number two, I was, it's like from childhood, I've always been looking for solutions to situations, my situations, other people's situations. And I thought, yeah, I think that resonates well with my career. And then finally, I kept asking myself, Faith, what is it that you'd want to do even if you did it for free? What is it that you'd want to do that you can do and do until you day, the day you die? Not the day you retire, but the day you die. And I say, what is it that I can do at 80 years old? And I thought I would love just to talk to somebody, encourage somebody, inspire somebody. And I thought even at age 80, I can still read. My mommy is 83 years old and she's still inspiring me. I go to her, I call her whenever I'm in, in situations that I need counsel. And at 83, she's still able to give me that counsel. And I'm happy to say that I enjoy my, my coaching. And um, I'm just loving it. I'm just loving it. So I'd say that's the, um, the third ending and beginning, you know, living for more employment to become um, a self-leadership coach and not just run my business and do things that make me happy, you know. And what makes me happy is just working with somebody so that they can walk through the challenges that life throws at them. Is it life that throws challenges at people? Is it the people, the environment? I think it's the environment around us, situations around us, through things that us. And then that can easily turn um, our lives upside down. But when we become self-leaders, then we manage to, we learn to manage our emotions, our thoughts, our behavior. And then now we are able to influence how we perceive things, how we react to things, how we respond to situations, and finally, how we behave. So, 
I think this is another new beginning, just coupled with the transition of leaving work. Because when I left work, I decided to leave Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital of Kenya. And I decided I would want to stay in the countryside. Let me go back to depression. Because when I was depressed and I was seeing death, death, death all the time, I remember one time asking myself, if I die, what happens to my four children? Where will they stay? What will become of them? And that's when I bought where I live now, the small piece of land where I'm living. I bought it at that time as I was worrying what will happen when I die, what will become of my children. And I bought this place so that they could come and stay here. It was a little bit about 50, about 50 let, me, let me call it about 60 kilometers from Nairobi. So I came here and bought this place. And Michelle, let me tell you, I used to tell the doctor, every time I go and visit my small piece of land, because it's a small piece of land, I feel healed. I feel peaceful. And that's when he told me that um, nature is therapeutic and soil has therapeutic property, scientifically proven. So it has been an amazing journey coming here and just making the place. And today I can say it is my home because eventually I built a small cottage and in last year 2020 when corona hit the world i decided to move from nairobi and come and live by the countryside so i live here i enjoy i raise chicken i grow my food stuff all my food stuff i grow it and i enjoy i enjoy life here i just feel alive and i can say that um an ending is never an ending the only true ending is death. When you die, you're buried, that's when it all ends. But as long as you're living, every ending is a new beginning. And the new beginning has you at, as the main actor or actress of your life. And it is up to each one of us to grab the opportunities that come our, our way and have that commitment to make our lives matter. Yes, that's so beautifully put. And I can hear that all of your endings, all of your journey has been such a gift. Yes. It's been a big, big gift. And, and a gift, you know, a gift that gives. You understand? It's a gift that keeps giving it's not my gift i think that new beginning for all of us it's a gift for all of us because when i when i become healthy when i embrace life the fullness of life michelle becomes a beneficiary another person becomes a beneficiary so i think it's just beautiful it's a gift a gift that keeps giving yes Thank you, Faith. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It was really beautiful. And um, may, I, uh, may I share with the listeners where they can find you, where they can reach out to speak to you, to get your coaching? Yes, you can. Um, you can find me at www.coachevolvedfaith.com. That's my website. I'll say it again, coachevolvedfaith.com because Michelle 
I am one woman who has evolved. Don't you agree? I agree. Yes. I have evolved. I have evolved. And, you know, just embracing that, um, you know, just coming to terms with how my life has been reached and how I have evolved over time. I just felt like, yes, I'm Coach Evolved Faith. And at Instagram, my handle is at Coach Evolved Faith. Again, so that's where they can reach me. I think that's the easiest that the easiest way that somebody can reach me. The phone numbers are on the website and also I think also on my IG handle. Yes. I will also link both of those things into the show notes of the podcast so people can click through well, there. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank Even you. for the opportunity for um, for me to share this with the world. And I, I just pray that even if it's one person who will listen to my to my story and evolve through it, I will be I'll be very, very happy because then they will have benefited from that gift. Thank you. It's such an honor. Thank you. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share feel free to drop me an email at m at mnwoods.media.